Today, we're going to be going over what it's like to design your business and how to go from all the things that you're doing to really becoming more of a CEO in your business and the CEO that your business needs. One of the things that I learned was this framework of the different phases in business and really the things and stages that we go through. And I think everybody can fall into a particular place, but understanding what this looks like and where you're at in this journey of entrepreneurship and within your business will really help you understand what's the next stage. Why are you stuck maybe in the stage that you're in and kind of what's going on? So we're going to dive deeper into that. We're also going to talk about the different roles that you have within your business and what each of those are and what they entail and how do you create the best possible business you can with the people that you're bringing on and getting help and all of that. And what are they doing? What should they be doing? What do those positions look like? So first thing we're going to talk about is just let's lay it out there. So many entrepreneurs start out with a dream but they end up kind of slaves to their business. They work long hours, even when they're on vacation, they're perpetually stressed and constantly thinking about work. Is that something you can identify with? Let us know if you feel like you are trying to just live out your dream and trying to figure the things out. And sometimes that business turns into a burden, right? So that is why we call our company Unburden Your Business, because we really want to show up to help you take it from being that slave in your business and not really knowing what to do and all those things and giving you some tools and tactics, that business that you are dreaming of, that you have these hopes and dreams for, that's really what we want to do. Okay. Cause I was stuck in that position. I understood that, you know, I wanted the American dream. I wanted to be able to live the life that I wanted, but I really sort of just became an entrepreneur and created a job for myself, a job that I ended up doing all the things instead of just one thing and getting paid for it. Now, obviously, when you're doing that, you are going to have more unlimited income potential, possibly. You're going to be able to kind of be your own boss. You're going to be able to make those decisions and not have to answer to anyone. But sometimes it's really hard to even answer to ourselves. We are harder on ourselves than anyone else could be. And so that's when really we stress out about every little thing. We want to be further along than where we are. We have all of these things that we want to do. And when you don't have experience, or you don't have those business foundations and really know how to tap into those and develop yourself in that phase and where you're at and having that awareness, it's really hard to do. And everything is just stressful. Everything feels urgent. Everything just seems to not be working, even though you're probably further along than you were when you started. And we don't give ourselves enough grace to look back and really see the things that we've built and where are we today compared to where we used to be. Organizational efficiency is about getting the most important work done with the least resources. So it's not always about doing more. It's about regaining your freedom and allocate less time for your business if you can so that you can have more freedom and force yourself to achieve more within the time that you really have, which really is limited. We only have the same 24 hours every single day in our business. And some of us have less time that we can really allocate to it than others. So that way you can increase your impact and free up your time for other things in your life that you find as priorities that you value, that you really want to live that life that's important to you. And every single one of us has different beliefs, different values, and different things that are important to us. And when we're constantly just focused on the business, we're not able to really live the life that we want, that that business was technically built for and created for. So the stages of business go like this. 
First thing is you decide you're going to start a business and you become the doer. You are doing all the things. You are wearing all the hats. Like I said, most of the time you basically start this business and just buy yourself a job, buy yourself a job with all this risk and all this stress. And you're just doing all the things you become a glorified employee within your own business. You are the technician still in your business, right? But you're like, I really know how to do this thing well, or I have all these dreams. And so I'm just going to go do it on my own, which is great. You should. However, you get stuck there. You get stuck doing all the things. And then what happens is you're like, you know, I made a little bit of money. I kind of had grit. I had hustle and I did the things. And now I really need to be able to scale. So I'm going to hire some people to help me do the things that need to be done in the business. And so then you hire some people and then you move from doing a little bit less, having people that do things for you in your business that you were doing and getting some stuff off your plate. But then you move into this phase called deciding. And at that point, you're going to see, we're going to dive into this a little bit more, but it's really about you still being someone who's making decisions and people are coming to you because they have to be doing the thing. And it just makes more work for you sometimes, most of the time, at least in the beginning, if you're not really good into getting past the deciding phase into the delegating phase. And a lot of people end up getting stuck in deciding and then going back to doing and then doing and then going back to deciding. So that kind of looks like I just hired some people to help me do some of the things. And now they're coming at me all the time, knocking on my door, texting me, emailing me, asking me all these questions so I can make decisions for the business. And sometimes you get to a point where you're like, screw it. Like if I'm just going to be making all these decisions all the time and it's more stressful, I'm just going to get rid of everyone and just end up doing it on my own. And I think that also in relationships with your spouse, if you're married, you have children, all that stuff, like trying to help get your spouse to do things like empty the dishwasher or even load the dishwasher, right? Like I load the dishwasher differently than my husband does. He puts like four things in there and shuts the door and turns it on. And I'm like, bro, like this is how it needs to be done. Forget it. I'll just do it myself. And it's kind of that type of thing. And so then you go back to doing all the things yourself and then you get to overwhelm and burnout. You're like, I really need to hire somebody. And so then you go back to deciding. It's kind of this vicious cycle that never ends. And so we really want to keep moving through the phases. The next phase is delegating. And delegating is really about saying, hey, here is your position. Here are the responsibilities you have. Here is the results that I need you to get. And I want you to take ownership and really not be afraid to make some decisions and allowing them sometimes to make mistakes and allowing them to learn what the right decisions would be for you and your business. And teaching them, right? So that's really where the delegation comes into play. And then once you've moved out of delegation and delegating, you can really go into that designing phase and that stage where you are showing up as the visionary, you are making the bigger macro decisions at that 30,000 foot level. So let's dive into these just a little bit more. And as I'm talking about these, if you can let us know in the chat, like, where do you think you fit or where you're falling or where you're stuck kind of in these different phases? So doing is you're doing all the work in your business and you've created an employee job for yourself, get to a point where you end up doing all the work and start to feel like it's time to hire somebody and some people to help you do the work instead, right? And then deciding is where you are now not doing much more work, but have a team constantly coming to you and asking you questions or needing your guidance that you spend most of your day making those decisions. And when you need to make a lot of decisions throughout your day, it's really tiresome. It's exhausting. Not everything goes well. And 
you're still the only one kind of making those decisions in your business. And I swear that like mentally drains you even more than just doing the things because then you can quickly make decisions. So starting to feel like you are just going to pay people to have to decide for them and you might as well just do it your damn self and save the payroll. Delegating is about you have realized that you can empower your team to do the work and to make decisions based on the business and the things that are important to you. And you no longer need to do the work or spend all day making decisions, but get to spend more time developing your team and getting them to begin to see the ownership they can have within your business. So this is really where if you can get to this phase, because a lot of people don't, and they get burnt out, their business shuts down, there's too much going on, they're not making the money they want to make, they may be making money, but they're not living a happy life, it's just too much, you really need to move from the deciding into the delegating. And then when it's really time to scale and really get to the position that you probably all want to be in and why you started your business, we're moving into the designing phase. And the designing phase looks like you have now developed your team to take ownership of their positions and the results they must bring into your organization. They are fully empowered to do the work, make decisions, and take initiative without needing you. So you can spend most of your time designing your future, being the visionary, and scaling your business. So what I want to do now, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this and open the chat so we can all really have a discussion. And that's why we moved these type of trainings and things into Zoom so that we can really unmute, get on, talk about it, have a conversation instead of just having a chat. And I want to go over the different positions and hats that you're probably wearing in your business and what those really look like. And I think defining these and just seeing a visual of what things are listed under these categories will help you see how much you actually are doing and how you can start finding people that you can hire and really scale your business so that you're able to move through these phases. All right. So the first position that we all want to get to is that CEO position. This is where you decide strategy. This is where you're tracking things in your business and being able to pull figures and data and information and make, do that research based on what you guys are doing and what you're capable of, all of that, and really take a look at performance so that you can make decisions based off numbers as opposed to based off assumptions or different things like that. A lot of people that are possibly on this call are clients of agency by design who have really been able to figure out what metrics they need to be measuring, how they're going to be measuring that, and then really seeing the effects of just having that data and being able to look at it to help them make decisions so that they're tracking things in their business. Because if we don't have the numbers, if we don't know what's happening in our business based off fact, we're just going to keep winging it. We're going to keep turning our wheels and we're not going to be able to make adjustments based on things that are actually happening. Because I always say numbers don't lie and they're based off fact and not just, you know, our mood or our emotions or what we think is going on. For a really long time, I was running my business just thinking that everything was great or that I was doing the best things for my business and making decisions based off that and realizing that I was wasting a lot of time, money and energy. And then also a lot of things that happened was when I was bringing on team members to be able to work in my business and trying to delegate, I was confusing them. They were getting confused because we were all over the place. And then lastly, just looking at what's your hiring strategy? What does that organizational chart look like in your business? And how do you maybe not have the funds right now or know exactly what this looks like, but knowing that this is something you want to get to in the future as far as what positions you want filled and what things you want taken off your plate and really figuring out where people's zones of geniuses are so that when you're hiring, you're doing a good job bringing and developing kind of those rockstar team members as opposed to constantly having over 
turnover and, and all this overhead that's not really bringing you the results that you want. So the next one is called a CMO. It's a chief marketing officer. And we're talking kind of that American corporate level of these names and, and titles. But I want you to understand you're doing these things in your business. All these things need to get done. So just thinking about it too, like when you put on that CMO hat, these are the things that you're doing. So you're doing market research, trying to figure out where to niche down, trying to figure out who your ideal client is. What does your brand look like, feel like, stand for that brand message, that brand story? How do you show it digitally in print? How are you creating content and constantly staying consistent and relevant within the digital space of social media? How is your email marketing? Are you going to events? Are you sponsoring events? Are you networking at different places and with different people? Do you have certain partnerships? Maybe that's like referral partnerships or people that have an audience that you want to tap into and vice versa. And so you guys can partner together to help each other out. Some type of collaborations you might be doing. These are things that a chief marketing officer is going to be specifically working on and what their position should entail. The next one is a chief sales officer. And obviously we all need to have, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of this one, but this is technically a title and it's all about generating revenue into your business. It's about selling the product, selling the service, making sure those sales are getting done so that the revenue is coming into your business. And we all jump from a CMO to a CSO to a CEO to some of the other ones we're going to be talking about. So I'm sure as I'm saying these things, you're like, yeah, I spent 20 minutes doing this position today. And I spent another 15 minutes doing this position today. And that's going to go through your entire days, right? And so this position is really about setting sales targets, tracking sales, training people on sales, developing sales, managing sales, looking at closing ratios, trying to figure out where things are going well, where things need to be tweaked and developed, where they can continue to grow and scale that revenue so that the business can continue, right? And then you've got the COO, which is the chief operations officer. And that person or that department or that title is really about making sure that the day-to-day -day operations are running smoothly, understanding what those operations look like, things like customer service, communication within your business and your organization, training the people that are coming onto the business, or if things are changing, they're the ones making sure there's training and all kinds of stuff for everybody to you know, tap into and having those resources, creating processes that are more efficient, that don't take as much time, that really flow nicely in order to execute and in order to execute and really provide the service and deliver the product it, that the sales department or that CSO is for the COO to have those things in place in order for them to show up and really provide what it is that they're promising to people when they're selling to them. And then also tracking, what are you doing with your time? How are you doing these day-to-day -day operations? How much are you able to get done? What's the capacity of the business? How much can you handle? We have a lot of conversations all the time about when do you need to hire another service person? A lot of people have this preconceived notion that Somebody can only handle $1.5 million book of business when it comes to servicing. That is not true. That is something we need to get out of our mind. Some people can only handle $800,000 in premium. Some people can handle $5 million in premium. It depends on your processes and your day-to-day -day operations and the amount of people you have and the type of business that you're running, depending on how efficient it is or how inefficient it might be. And then lastly is the CFO. 
chief financial officer. These are definitely mouthfuls. And that's looking like tracking cash flow, managing cash flow, making sure you have the funds to continue investing and running your business, budgeting and forecasting, doing some projections on what type of revenue is coming through the door, what's staying, how do you make sure that you're scaling and you're growing, what does that growth look like, your profit margins, things like that, and really looking at the financial strength and weaknesses within your business and looking at the money, really, right? Doing the taxes, making sure all the licenses are in place, all the different things that you might need when it comes to managing your money. And so what I want to do and open the floor is really just talk about these different positions. We know all of these things and positions and kind of if you look at an organizational chart, all these things have to happen. The CEO is always going to be on top and then you're going to have these other departments or positions. And when you are the only one, or maybe it's just you and another team member, or maybe it's you and a bunch of people, but they don't really have defined departments or sections of the business that they're responsible for, that they know what the responsibilities and tasks need to be done there. They don't have these things ironed out. It's really because the CEO has not done the work and has not created that strategy to make sure that it's super clear. So let's take a second and see if there's any extra questions in the chat. What are some of the things that you feel like, what position do you feel like you are playing the most in, in your day-to-day? What position is taking up most of your time? Maybe what position do you enjoy doing the most if you are doing a lot of the things? Okay, Sherelle says CSO, so she's a lot in the sales. So Sherelle, let us know, are you physically doing the sales or are you kind of managing the sales? Um, Managing. And is that something that you enjoy doing? Is that something that you just feel like right now is what you need to be doing in the business? Why do you feel like that's where you spend most of your time? Um, I, that's been the most of my time there because I'm trying to make sure that we're scaling and that's the way we're going to scale is to track the sales. No, I do not enjoy doing it. I want to be able to just enjoy, you know, the fruits of my labor. So, but I know I have to start there looking at the numbers of things. So yeah. Awesome. And again, depending on where you are, right. So for us, there were different phases during this time where we were like, Hey, we're selling amazingly and we're doing a great job and we're servicing to the level that we have promised people. And like, we want to show up. Obviously there's certain capacities to that, but there was a point where we were losing so much business out the door that no matter how much we were selling, we weren't growing in revenue. And so we then had to slow down and say, hold on, we are laser focused on sales, but we're not spending enough time really making sure the retention's there. And a lot of people are in that position. I think a lot of people in business know how to sell. They may not be 100% confident or they're telling themselves these stories that they don't know how to sell or all these other things, which is not true. And I went through this. It's funny because when I went through my training with State Farm at the time, that's where I started in insurance was with State Farm and Captive Agency. It was a nine month training. And I kept telling myself and in the group out loud, like, I'm not good at sales. Like, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And that's not true. If I believe in something and I like something and I think it's good for someone or something, like I will tell people about it. Absolutely. 100%. Whether it's my new favorite restaurant, whether it's this product that I tried that like made my skin glow, whether it's, you know, a better route to get somewhere, um, just different things like that. So I kept telling myself this stuff and it wasn't true. And what's funny is I think me and just one other person out of 20 people in that training 
to open their agency are the only ones left in our industry. And both of us actually did leave the captive world. So that is not true, right? And I think there's a lot of stories we tell ourselves. I think a lot of people that come into this industry are good at sales. They're just not always great at running a business. There's so many components, as you can see, that still need to happen in order to really have a well-oiled machine that's running even when you're not driving it, right? So depending on where you're at, there's different things that you might need to be focusing on. Sales and retention is really all we do. If we can sell and we can retain, then we have a thriving business story. I think to somebody uh, just mentioned too in the comments, not enough operations organizing is something I lack using team members to their best potential. So Janice, I'd love to hear from you. If you're in a position where you can unmute and kind of have a chat, can you tell me what you mean by organizing is something you lack? Is it like organizing your physical space? Is it something that you feel like you've just never really had that like organizational gene? What do you mean by organizing? Um, I think it's more so like using, I'm, st I'm stuck doing the service, the sales, the marketing, and I have staff. I just, I, can, I need to break away and force clients to talk to the staff so that I can figure out operations and I can figure out how to best utilize everyone. Um, I started Scratch about three years ago. And so it was just myself um, until about a year and a half in. And just, uh, I, I think it's just really nailing out operations and coming up with good comp plans so that the team is happy and I'm happy. And it's kind of like an ecosystem versus me feeling like I'm doing everything. Yeah, I get that. So um, you can tell me if I'm totally wrong, but I'm sure somebody will identify it with this as well. When I first started State Farm, like we, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Okay? Like, I'm just going to be hundred percent real. I didn't understand the industry. Like, yeah, I got licensed, but we all know that doesn't mean shit. Um, and I remember there was a point where I was so used to doing, coming in ready to put out fires, just letting the day control me, like totally winging it, just holding on to the chair and like, all right, here we go, another day. And it just became the norm. It almost was just like, this is what it's supposed to be like, or this is how it's always been. And I'm so used to it being this way. I don't even know another way. And I got to a point where it was like my breaking point where I was like, whoa, like if I don't stop this wheel that I've already gained momentum on, but is completely going in a direction that I don't like, if I don't stop that wheel from moving forward, it's just going to keep rolling. And so we have to be okay with taking a moment to just say, hey, this isn't working. Even if that means you slow down on sales, which I know is really scary. Okay? But saying like, if this was the ideal situation, how would I want this to look? And going through these different departments of what would I want our marketing to look like? What would I want our branding to be like? Who can possibly, who is maybe someone that, by the way, someone who's really good at sales does not mean they would be great in a CSO position or someone who can manage and train a team to really sell great. So don't always think that that's the case. But who could be the person that I go to and communicate to who's really in touch with what's happening with our sales that I, that could be my go-to person as opposed to trying to train a whole team, things like that. Like, how do you then slow down for a second, even if it's an hour a week, like that's something I tell people all the time where they're like, I barely have time to breathe. Now you want me to 
scheduled time to work on my business because I'm so stuck in my business. And it's like, if you can just allow yourself an hour a week and just maybe go through each of these departments and just say, hey, what do I want that to look like? And not worry about what everyone else is doing in the industry or in business, but really think about what does Janice want? What is Janice, what's important to her? What does she need to happen in her business? One of the things I heard this week was that if you don't know who you are, you don't know what kind of business you're going to have because your business is 100% a reflection of who you are. So the more you can spend time really getting clear on the things that are important to you and the things that you want within your business, the clearer you're going to be able to execute on those and create that for you and your business. Now, if you're also not clear, obviously you can't be clear with your team. And the other thing that happened was my team just came on. They started with me from day one. And it was just like, all right, you do this, you do this, I do this. And like everybody was doing everything all the time. There's definitely that feeling where there's too many hands in the cookie jar and we need to like separate the cookies into different jars. If that kind of makes sense, just as a metaphor. And you are the one that's just making sure what's happening in each of those jars. So I don't know if that resonated with you, but it's definitely something that I would say, if you can even allocate an hour a week, whenever that is, put it in your schedule, make that recurring, make it non-negotiable and understanding this is the time that I sit back, look at the numbers. I don't have numbers. What numbers should I be tracking? What book should I be reading? What training should I be going to? How do I develop myself? What questions should I be asking myself? And a lot of these things are also on our podcast, on our YouTube channel, like I don't want you to just consume information, not do anything, but if you're looking for some resources, absolutely tap into there because it'll help you get your mind going and your juices flowing. And then when you have that, start implementing things slowly and really communicating to your team because I think it's going to help. The other thing is trying to figure out team members and how to use them to their best potential. That's something that's not going to come right away. But it's also just asking them, like, what things do you enjoy doing? What do you not enjoy doing? Seeing that they may be better at certain things as you've observed them and asking them, like, is this a role that you want to take on? Can you take on some more things? How do we clearly define what that looks like for you? Because we need to make sure that they understand what it is that you need them to be doing. So hopefully that gave you a little bit. I could go on for hours and help you out, obviously, but in the context of time, we can't go there, but definitely just kind of be thinking about that. Brittany says she is doing sales, trying to design her business and doing more money management. Brittany, is this something you've always kind of been focused on in these three particular sections, or is this something new? Um, and how is that going? How do you feel when you're not really doing that marketing and maybe dropping some balls or not wearing certain hats? Um, talk to me about that, if you can. Hey, um, so I feel like, especially this month too, uh, I go back and forth where I have super busy months where sales are going amazing. I have all this business coming in that I'm trying to juggle and stay on top of because it is just me. I have no one else to help with any of the servicing or the other aspects. So I'm doing it all. So when I have the months like this where I'm doing a bunch of sales, I'm having a great sales month, but now I'm getting behind on the admin work. I'm not doing any marketing. And now I'm nervous to market because I'm already struggling to manage where I'm at right now. So it's like, oh crap, if I start trying to focus on Facebook or social media like I was wanting to do, how am I going to manage those leads coming in? But I also don't want to do nothing. And then I end up having a month where there's nothing coming in. 
are right. very little. So it's the balance of back and forth there and trying to get where I can bring on some help, but then have time to train them and get them up and running. Yeah, it's definitely a dance and there's different times that we go through things. Like there might be a couple of months out of the year where things are really high volume and you've kind of got to shift that focus and being more in that CEO role and kind of stepping into that and putting that hat on and just saying, hey, as the CEO and not as the COO or not as the CMO or not as the CSO, how do I see this playing out? And when you can look at it from that lens and that space, I think it can help answer a lot more questions. And that's why I talk about spending a little bit of time on your business. And even again, if it's an hour a week and just saying, hey, what went well this week? What didn't go well? Where do I feel like I'm dropping the ball? Where do I feel like my focus needs to be? And it's okay to shift in and out of these different things. I think ideally what we want, especially if you're kind of that solopreneur and you only have one team member or it's a part-time person, you're trying to scale and grow, is saying, when can I really schedule time, even if it's off hours, if you have to in the beginning, to get these things ironed out and or to spend some time just looking at them and analyzing them and making some of those CEO decisions when can I do that consistently and how often does that need to happen? So for me, the CFO position, I do once a week for an hour every single week. Now I have six businesses and I am the CFO for all of them. So I need that time every single week. It might be something you only have to do monthly. If you've never really checked in with your money, I think you should do it every single day and then weekly and then monthly and then maybe even quarterly once you feel like you have a grip, but it's not something that needs to happen all the time. And then marketing. Maybe you only have one day a month to really focus on social media. And so how do you batch that so that you have 30 pieces of content to go out for the month? Instead of waking up in the morning, having zero strategy and being like, I have to wear all these hats. So now I got to go on social media and post something because I feel like I need to stay consistent. But then you post something that has no relevance or doesn't get engagement or isn't really talking to your ideal client. And again, it's just this whirlwind of, creating stuff that really isn't piercing and and getting the results that you want because you just feel like you have to do all the things, right? And so maybe looking at these five different departments and saying, where do I have to laser focus in right now and dedicate some time and dedicate myself to growing and developing that section so that I can hire somebody for that specifically. And maybe that thing is going to give us the biggest impact. There are some people listening right now that are like, shit, Brittany, I wish I had so many sales that I couldn't have time to deal with marketing, right? But like you said, for you, it's a stressor because there are months where you don't have that much sales or that as many sales as you may have had this last month where you're like, damn, if I would have spent some time on that marketing, maybe I would have had more of a consistent month or having consistent months over and over again. So I think that it just depends on where you're at and where you can try to find some time to weave in some of these things, even if it's very small increments amount of time, because time and those increments will compound and you will get to a point where you executed on stuff, you've created some stuff, you've trained some people, you've figured out, you feel clear because you've spent time really looking at it and, and doing those things that things will start to happen. Talking about customer service training and trying to set processes and trying to do more of the CMO. So talk to me about where you're at right now it sounds like you have clients and you're trying to work the customer service aspect and kind of training and setting up processes. Just talk to us about kind of where you're at with that. 
So right now it's just me and one employee. So I feel like I'm still doing a lot of the service work and customer service. Uh, still have clients that just ask to speak to me. And so trying to get, you know, rid of that's where the other employees do not actually just hired a customer service because we grew a little bit more than expected. Um, but what I'm trying to do is do more marketing, do more social media stuff. Like you mentioned, it's like one day I post and then the next time I have to post just to stay relevant, but it's not really, you know, something that I wanted to do. So, um, it's been a struggle. Yeah. I understand. And again, it's the juggling all the different things. And you're like, I need to be doing this. So I'm going to go over here and spend five minutes because I just happen to have five minutes to do this. And really, (laughs) that's not effective. It's not efficient at all. It would be so much more effective and efficient to say, you know what, I'm not going to post for an entire week. And those five minutes that I was posting every single day, maybe not great content. I'm going to take 20 minutes instead of five minutes each day. And I'm going to just sit down and come up with five pieces of content and I'm going to schedule it out. And that is just a better way to execute and to focus on that. And then kind of what you're doing right now. And even if that means you're not showing up consistently in one of these particular departments, but taking the time where you were just kind of winging it and saying, I'm going to take that time to figure out the strategy. Because here's the deal. I'm a business strategist. Strategy is what I love to do. It's what I eat every for every meal. It's what I drink in my cup. Like I love strategy and it's a lot easier for me to strategize for other people. And sometimes it is for us to strategize for ourselves. But if you don't have strategy, then you're just winging it all the time. And for many years, even though we were winging it, we were successful, but we weren't happy. And we left a lot of money on the table and we weren't able to replicate processes and scale our team. We weren't able to bring people on to do the doing and doing the deciding and then delegating so that I could step away. And this is the second time someone said, you know, I'm afraid or I don't know how to have clients not talk to me. Honestly, it's like ripping off a Band-Aid where it hurts right away and then it doesn't hurt anymore. It's really about communicating to your clients who's on your staff and why you have those staff members there to help make sure that the client experience is the best possible and really letting them know these are the people that you're going to be interacting with and we are an agency. It's not just you. And I promise you that if you just start moving people to talk to your staff, at first it's going to be uncomfortable, but if your staff does a good job, they're going to start wanting to talk to your staff they're not going to want to be talking to you anymore. And slowly that starts to happen and it just becomes the norm. If you get on a, on the phone and say, hey, this is the person that's going to be taking care of you. This is why I hired them because they're amazing at this, this, and that. So I'm really happy that I have this person to serve you in all these different capacities. And then they go and interact with that person. I'm telling you, it's going to be okay. I know it's scary. It my team gets referrals from my family members. My my family doesn't even call me anymore. And now we kind of joke about it because it's been years and years and I haven't physically written a policy. And I'm like, I don't know how to do this, call someone on my team. And now we can joke about it. In the beginning, it wasn't funny. We weren't joking about it, but we were just saying, I think one of the things that we did was when people would call in and ask for me, my team would say, hey, she's she's working a really big claim that somebody had. And if you were to have a claim like that, we'd want to make sure she's available for you. So I can absolutely take care of this for you right now. So let's get that done. And you just assume that you're going to take care of them. 
it's just an example. And slowly but surely, that just became the norm. That's how you work within our agency. The other thing we did is we started sending out mail or emails or posting on social media and just talking about our team and introducing people to our team so they could see who they are, what they were great at, why you should be talking to them when you're calling in or engaging with us or needing something. And I think doing that kind of campaign for a little while really helped people understand who is composed within our agency and what they do and why they're there. Um, let's see. The other thing that you guys are talking about is a lot of the marketing stuff. Now, marketing is obviously really important. We need to have a consistent stream of leads and prospects and potential clients coming into our business on a regular basis. If you don't have a strategy for that and you can't replicate it and show up consistently every day, none of it matters. So that's where I want everyone to really understand what I'm saying is that you've got to go back to these different categories and really figure out what that strategy is, but do it one by one. There's no way you can do all of them unless some of you can take a week off and just tackle this all in one week. And if that's your personality and you know it, then take a week and just do it. Maybe it might take you a little bit longer, but at least you would get yourself going. As far as marketing goes, we have a huge book of business. And this is the second time we started from scratch. Not once has that happened because of our website. I don't even, nobody goes to our website. Like I've never once ever told somebody to go to our website. Never have I created content where it's got my website on there for them to go to. We barely ever post on social media. Like if you go to our insurance agency account, there's nothing from months. I don't even know how long. Now, I'm not saying that that's something you shouldn't be doing, but it doesn't have to be the way you do it. And so again, I want to reiterate to think about who are you? What is the best avenues for you to be doing business, to be generating partnerships, to be generating referrals, to be getting leads? When we first started at State Farm, we bought internet leads. We did no digital marketing. It was just buying internet leads. And that's okay. I don't think they're great. I don't really think they work. I think they're very expensive. Your break-even point is usually way past the first policy period. And that's if they even stick. When I said before that we were selling a ton, but we were losing a ton, that's because we were selling internet leads. And so we really went out and hit the pavement, went to networking events, tapped into our centers of influence. That worked for us. And we started branding ourselves and building ourselves in certain niches. And we went super micro so that people knew who we were without ever seeing us on social media, without ever going to our website. And we would just do the follow-up activity to continue building those relationships with people. That worked for us. So I just don't want you to think that you have to put all this pressure on posting on social. Now, Social media is amazing because for my other businesses, I do use social media. I show up consistently. I have a strategy. I'm posting all the time. I'm trying to do that market research and hitting my ideal client and understanding what our brand is and all of those things. Okay. And it is free marketing, but the part that's not free about it is it's time consuming. So again, do you have the time? If you have the time, then make the strategy and show up consistently to do it. If you don't have the time, but maybe you have the finances, then how do you maybe invest in some more digital marketing that you can do consistently? If you don't have time or money, then 
maybe you need to focus on how do you pierce more people with less time and less effort to be able to make those sales. And that might look like niching down into one particular product line or one particular niche or industry or topic that you even talk about consistently. For example, one of my clients, I don't think she's on the call, but she is kind of branding herself and talking specifically to people who are relocating into her state. She barely ever talks about auto insurance. She barely ever talks about life or health or different things. She really is tapping into the people that are relocating to her state and having a conversation about relocating and welcoming them to the state and what things are happening in her city and stuff like that. That's the content she creates so that when they need insurance or when she finally talks to them or when they're engaging with her, she can then pivot to have that conversation because it's a life event that's happening when you're moving that you're going to need to get insurance, right? You're going to have a new location. You're going to be bringing your autos here, maybe buying new autos, just different things like that. So really just looking at these and thinking about who are you? What phase are you in? Are you in the doing and you want to get to the deciding? Some people can skip completely from doing to delegating. If you take the time to create the processes, really iron out what position somebody has, have the training available for them. Let them know what metrics they need to be reaching. So we have something called a position contract. If you are an agency by design, you do get access to this. The position contract tells them the purpose of their, their role, saying the reason why this role was created in our business is because we need these results and we need somebody or a department to be able to produce this. And what that does is it tells them why they are hired or why this has been created. But also like, if you think about, you know, a sports team and the position each person plays on a team, not everybody does the same thing, but a running back or the quarterback, right? I hate using sports sometimes, but let's just say the quarterback knows what his job is and what he needs to do. He's not catching the ball and running it to the end goal. Like he's throwing the ball and that's it. There's somebody else that takes over after that. But that purpose and telling them why the position was created and what it does for the overall agency really helps them understand why they do what they do, why they are there and how it affects the overall health and growth and just the business of your agency, right? And that, I think I'm the kind of person that just wants to know why things need to be done so that once I know why I can show up and execute because it makes sense to me, it's clear. So after that, the purpose, there's a list, which is not limited to, but there's a list of the tasks, the daily operations, kind of those COO things that they need to be doing within that position. After that, we talk about what their goal is. Every single position has a number. So for example, for a service team member, it says, it has multiple numbers, but let's just say service team member is we want to get to getting to 90% retention. They might not immediately get into the position and they're at 90%. They might be at 82%, but we're trying to let them know that we're going to be tracking retention and the tasks that you have that you need to complete on a daily basis because of the purpose of your position should start getting that 82% to 83% to 84%. So this is the number. This is the thing you need to produce based on why your position is the position it is. And so they can really see where they're at. If we have a conversation a few months down the road and I can pull numbers and say, hey, our retention went from 82 to 83 and we can see that it's growing, they're going to know they're doing what they need to be doing. Maybe we can get there faster. Let's talk about that. But that really helps everybody know where they stand and how well they're doing within their position. And then lastly, under that, we 
tell them how we evaluate them. So here are the standard expectations we have of you, and this is how we're going to evaluate you so that they know what it is that you're looking at and what you're looking for. And it makes it really, really clear before we ever hire anyone on, we say, hey, here's the position contract. Please read over it. Let us know if you have any questions. And that's when you can go from the doing to hiring someone. And instead of making those decisions all the time and them coming to you, they get hired on, they completely understand their position, what they need to be producing, they can take ownership of it. And then with the training and processes that you're able to onboard them with, they shouldn't be coming to you and saying, hey, you know, I have this document, I don't know how to fill it out or whatever that might look like. And they have a training for it or they have a process for it. They can tap into that resource and they can answer those questions for themselves. So that's really how you can move through those stages. So I am obviously in the position today where I'm in the designing phase. I don't do any day-to-day -day operations in our business. The only role I play besides a CEO is the CFO. The only reason why is because I know how to do it. I enjoy spending time with money. I like to have a grip on my money. I don't want to get through an entire quarter and look at my profit and loss sheet and there's nothing I can do about it now. Like I want to have a grip on our money. And I think that helps us stay very lean. It helps us have high profit margins, which is important to me because at the end of the day, it's all about how much money I can take home or our business can take home. I don't care how much we're selling. I care how much we're taking home. So those of us that might be looking at revenue and top line all the time, I really encourage you to look at bottom line. It's so much more important. There's a lot of agencies that make a lot of money that are on the verge of bankruptcy. I see it all the time and I talk about it all the time. So really take a look at bottom line. But not only do I love it, I'm good at it. And so for me, it's just not worth paying somebody to do this stuff when I really like doing it and I am happy to do it. So that's pretty much it. What I have for you all today, like, tell me if this was helpful. Tell me maybe an aha thing that you are taking away from this. Maybe something that you're like, Hey, thank you for framing it in this way. And then showing this to me or reminding me, can we make some commitments to execute on some stuff moving forward? Because for me, it's really about not just coming here and listening to a bunch of stuff. Like it's about you taking something and putting it into play so that you can move forward in your agency and your business and whatever it is that you need to do right now. So this was helpful. I like to hear about the onboarding process to give staff expectations from the start. So everyone is successful. Awesome, Natalie. So what can you do maybe in the next week or month or just put it down as one of your top things you want to focus on? If you have an onboarding process already, can you set 30 minutes, an hour, whatever that looks like in the next month and update your onboarding process to include some of the expectations that you have, right? So that's how you take something and do something with it once you leave here. Kayla says, I need to sit down and examine my processes. Great. When are you going to do that? Like, I want date and time. And how do you put it in your calendar? And how do you make sure that that date and time rolls around that you're going to show up and, and get it done? Definitely help me understand better the different roles. I will review each and find out which ones I can do myself or hire someone. Awesome. When are you going to do that? I know you guys are going to hear me say that a lot. Okay. Natalie said, starting this Friday at 2 p.m. Yay. All right. Well, just a little update for you all. We are going to be having these workshops every single month. So I want to make sure that you guys know that you can show up. You don't have to register as long as you have the link. We will be linking it on Instagram. So make sure you follow us there. I also show a lot of day-to-day -day behind the scenes of just life. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's tactical. Sometimes it's just, hey, like you're not alone. Look at me. I'm ridiculous half the time. Um, so Instagram, we will be sharing the link 
every month when it comes to the workshops and then also in the Facebook group. And then we have been emailing those things out. So if you're not on our email list and want to be, let us know. All of those things, um, loving more of the Zoom workshop style so we can unmute and hear everybody else's opinions and comments and things they're struggling with or just ideas they might have for other people that are on the call in the group. And then a lot of times I'll take this workshop and I will edit it and put it on our YouTube channel. So if you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, go ahead and subscribe so that if you have to miss one of these workshops, you can then watch the videos later if you need to. So thank you so much for everyone who's come and been brave to unmute and share. And I hope that you feel like you are constantly coming to a safe space that we create and that you get things from every single call and all the content that we create. So thank you so much. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your week and see you soon.